Tackling your business's finance to-dos can be daunting enough without being slowed down by QuickBooks. More like slow books. NetSuite by Oracle is the number one financial system, no matter how big your business grows. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow. All in one place. Special financing is back. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to switch today. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite right now. That's NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. If you've always wanted to try meditation but think to yourself, when would I have time? You should check out Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through comprehensive, clinically validated research. Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation. Need help falling asleep? Use Headspace wind-down sessions. And parents, Headspace has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace works for you, on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash C-suite for a free one-month trial. You'll be able to access Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash C-suite today. Slow is just right if you're on vacation, a sloth, or describing QuickBooks. More like slow books. It sucks you in and slows you down with manual processes, integration difficulties, and glitchy delays that leave you scrambling for the numbers you need. Now is the time to switch to NetSuite by Oracle, the number one financial system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. NetSuite can automate your processes and close your books in no time, no matter how big your business grows. Failing to switch to NetSuite will leave you stuck trying to make sense of your books while your competitors sprint ahead. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control since switching to NetSuite. Special financing is back. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to switch today. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite right now. That's special financing at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Again, that's NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Are you ready? A change is gonna do you good. Hey there, I'm Pavlina Asta. First of all, welcome to my newest project, If God Had a Podcast. I started in radio when I was 11 years old interviewing celebrities, and I am so excited for this new chapter. If God Had a Podcast is all about improving you for a better us. That's my plan. Gardner is a two-time number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, 35-year experience with helping people find happiness, and an empowerment coach. Thank you so much for joining me today, Gina. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you, and thank you so much for having me on the show. Of course. So you actually started off your career as a teacher, and you were quickly promoted to being one of the youngest deputy principals. Um, and then you had some, you know, unique challenges in the beginning due to a, a skiing accident uh, and the head principal passing away. And you were kind of thrusted into this 
major leadership position uh, while you were still doing, dealing with the results of your skiing accident. How did these events affect your leadership tactics? Like anything, over time you adapt and you um, find ways of, of managing things. For me, the biggest challenge was I couldn't physically get into the classrooms because I was in a wheelchair. Mm. And so I had to develop a very different way of approaching leadership that was based on each individual teacher and non-teaching member of staff taking radical responsibility for their own performance and a shared responsibility for the performance overall. And that was based on having a shared language around what did excellence look like in the context of, of each of the elements of school life. It was incredibly successful, and we were on the best 100 uh, schools in the country list twice during my tenure. I'd like to think that I would have um, developed that style of leadership anyway, but I, my, my gut feel is that this is the gift that came out of my disability. Um, and it's a, an approach to developing uh, personal empowerment and enlightened leadership, which I used for 20 years in my school. And then I've used since in dozens of businesses with hundreds of people. Uh, and it really, really works. And you know, for me, the, the disability offered the opportunity for me to see the world in a different place and to find um, a, a very different way of operating. Absolutely. I think that, you know, some of the the worst things that we go through um, or just things that, you know, we're like, is this ever going to end? Or, you know, just like the struggles that we go through tend to um, make us stronger in the end. And I've, I've noticed that in my own career. And, you know, I kind of jumped in it, jumped into it really fast with everything that you've been doing. But I definitely think that, you know, showed how incredibly successful you've been with it. And in your enlightened leadership program, what do leaders have in common, like the good and the bad? Enlightened leadership is about leading yourself first. So taking radical responsibility for your thoughts, emotions, actions, and words. It means being a great role model. You've got to be authentic and walk your talk. It's no good saying to, to your staff, I want you to do it in this way, and you don't model that. It's about recognizing that you have a real vision and being able to communicate that clearly and in a way that helps people take ownership of that vision because if they understand the why and they believe in it then they're going to work tirelessly to help you as the leader actually achieve that it's about having the capacity to inspire and motivate others it's the ability to communicate effectively it's about the way in which you demonstrate emotional intelligence, that you are scrupulously fair, and that you are someone that people can rely on, that you take absolute interest in identifying and nurturing potential in others. There's no room for ego. You know, the ego should be left at home under your pillow with your pyjamas because it gets in the way. You know, this is not about being the best boy or girl um, uh, in the class. It, it's not about being seen to be right, but it is about how can you generate um, a shared understanding and a shared uh, desire to deliver whatever it is the vision is for your 
organisation. And then you've got the normal leadership stuff is that you can plan strategically, that you're flexible and creative, that you have the capacity to, um, to make decisions based on the best information. But enlightened leaders are also prepared to listen to their intuition, that they are recognised that they're on a spiritual journey and they want to make a positive difference in the world to the people that they work with, to their clients or customer base and to society in general. And so it becomes a way of being. It's not leadership for business, although those organisations where the leaders are enlightened are more productive, more profitable, better work relations and better life work-life balance. But at the same time, um, they recognise that, um, that, that how they are as individuals has an impact uh, on the wider world. And so they really want to make that positive difference. They see that every word they speak and every action they take, whether or not take, uh, leaves a living legacy. Um, and they want to make that one a positive thing. Absolutely. And I always uh, look to, you know, improve my leadership skills or, you know, help other people become better leaders because if you have, you know, great leaders, you have great teams, and that just makes everyone a lot better. Um, And I remember I I interviewed Shaquille O'Neal, and I asked him if leaders are born or made. What do you think? Do you think they're born or made? I think that there are some people who are natural leaders, Mm -hmm. And they have the advantage because they do things intuitively. But I do think that you can um, help people to become enlightened leaders. However, what I would say is that you need people who recognize that they need to develop and are ready to take the action that's required. They're prepared to put the work in. Uh, And although they may not be naturally um, leaders, I think each of us, well, we lead our own lives. You know, we're the common denominator that we take into every situation from every moment, every moment from the moment we're conceived until we die. And I do believe that we all have the capacity to become good leaders uh, and enlightened leaders, whilst I absolutely accept that some people have a head start. <laughs> For sure. Um, and leadership now in our world is... Uh, it can, it, it can be poor in a lot of people's opinions or toxic. How do you change leadership through enlightenment? First and foremost, the person's got to be prepared mm-hmm. to see that there is a need for a change. You know, the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. It's very true. If people are ego-driven and they are convinced that they are right and everybody else is wrong, then you've got no chance. Mm-hmm. But if somebody um, recognises that what they're doing, how they're being, isn't working, and they are prepared to um, work on the inner self and work with other people to help them develop those skills and that enlightenment, then it's entirely possible. But ultimately, you know, if you look at the quality of leadership around the world, it's pretty Grim. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, in the UK, um, over half the prescriptions in the UK are for antidepressants. Mm-hmm. And most people cite their work as not the, the only contributor, but as a major contributor to their depression, anxiety and stress. In the UK, before lockdown, £70 billion a year was lost through days absenteeism because of stress. 
And they think the cost of presenteeism, where people are actually in work, but not actually operating on all cylinders because they are stressed and, and anxious, they reckon that the cost of that is in excess of £140 billion. Now, we've got a much smaller population in the UK than you have in the US, mm -hmm. and talking to people, the view that I have from others is that the picture is pretty similar pro rata in the US as it is in the UK. So at every level, human level, because the, the impact of poor leadership is so far-reaching for the individual, for families, for society as a whole, it makes sense to do something about the quality of leadership and make sure that we do it quickly uh, and we make sure that it's really embedded. And that's exactly why I wanted to bring you on the show is because I have been thinking a lot about um, just like leadership in, in our country, leadership in around the world, and just like the way we're handling a lot of the things that, you know, we're going through as a society and like the way they lead us is obviously going to affect, it's going to affect everyone. Um, and you're absolutely yeah. right about everything that's going on here, like especially with the coronavirus, you know, uh, suicide was already one of the highest killers in, in the U.S., but because of the coronavirus, I think it's bumped up to number two um, because so many people are, like, not seeing the end of it, and it's just it's so difficult for a lot of people. But you have five incredible books, one of them being The Seven Day Challenge for Happiness. How did you come yes. up with this, and why is it needed now? I find it really interesting that, you know, when you, you talk to people about what they want out of life, mm -hmm. and they often say, you know, I want more money or I want a bigger house. And then you say, well, actually, what will that give you? And when you get down to the real basics of what the fundamentals of what people want, happiness is off, most often the thing that, that people identify. And yet we make it so difficult to feel happy. I call it the I'll be happy when syndrome. Right. So, you know, people will say, I'll be happy when I've got the perfect partner. I'll be happy when I've got, uh, and I've got the, you know, the, the, the house I want, and I've got a great job, and I've got a lovely car, and I've got children who don't need to be nagged in order to tidy their bedroom, and, and, and. Now, there's a real challenge with that. First and foremost, it's always in the future. It's never, I'm going to be happy now. It's exactly. going to be, I'll be happy when. The second thing is, as soon as one set of criteria are met, we put another set and another set. So we make it very, very difficult to feel happy in the moment. Now, I'm not talking about walking around with a great big grin on your face. But I am talking about that happiness, that contentment that comes from you know, being present in the moment, which is actually the only time we truly have. The past is gone. We can't change it. The future may never happen. So in order to be happy, um, I felt that it was important that, we, that I helped people recognize that actually being happy is your choice. You know, even when terrible things happen, and you'll know from my story, I've had my fair share of challenges, even on the darkest day, there are things to appreciate and be happy about. And I think, you know, it's almost like creating a happiness muscle, and the more you use it, the more it becomes developed and the, the more you feel happy and content. And so I started off by doing a, a happiness challenge on Facebook, 
and it was very well received and people said we'd like uh, something more permanent and so um, I decided that I would create the seven day happiness challenge um, and out of that's just come a little book um, which sets out those challenges um, and they don't cost anything um, apart from a little bit of thought and focus and there's something that is accessible for anybody and everybody. I love that so much, and that's exactly what I tell all of my friends all the time, because, uh, you know, I live in New York City, and New York is, it's full of a bunch of achievers, and, you know, you're always trying to get to that next level, or you're trying to get to that next step, whatever it may be, and you're just never happy, you're just never content with where you are, or what you're doing, and it wasn't, and I actually, I was a very, I was a severe sufferer of, um, the I'll be happy when syndrome. <laughs> I yeah. was constantly struggling with that because I was like, oh, well, when I get to this level, of, you know, in my career, when I, when I meet this person, whenever, whatever it may be. And once I realized that for myself, I was just like, oh my gosh, I felt like my eyes were open. It was incredible. Um, and yeah. I've been practicing and using that, you know, little happiness uh, muscle, whatever you want to call it, a lot <laughs> recently. And I'm so much so much happier from it and it has like completely changed my life and I'm such a firm believer in you have to choose happiness because it's so easy to go down any other path and and not be happy what are a couple of the things that people can do in this seven day challenge so one thing we talked about the happiness when syndrome Mm -hmm. replace that with instead of I'll be happy when I've got this and this and this to I'll be happy every time I have a nice cup of tea or I have a hot shower or I have a decent meal or somebody phones me or gives me a hug or the sun is shining. So instead of it being I'll only be happy when all of these things are in place, I choose to be happy every time any of these things happen. Collecting gratitude is another great way of recalibrating the brain. So as you go through the day, look for things that you appreciate and make it easy. So all of those things that I've just mentioned, the hug, the tea, the the, the hot shower, the sunshine, the beautiful plant, my cat when he's being silly, um, all of those I choose to be grateful for. And I look for as many things during the day to notice, because when you're noticing you are in the moment, Um, And during the day, I just collect them. And then before I go to sleep, I scan the day and I choose my top five from that day. So it means you go to sleep on a really positive note. And, you know, if you do that on a regular basis, within a very short time, your brain, which is rather like an old-fashioned vinyl record that gets stuck in the groove, it creates new grooves, much happier grooves. So that would be another strategy. Another one is random acts of kindness. And they don't have to be big and they don't have to cost a lot. But, you know, doing something for somebody else without expecting a thank you or something um, in uh, appreciation coming back to you, just doing something for somebody else is a really great way. And then the last thing I would uh, would share with you is do the happiness. um, I'm not sure what people call it now, but, but... If you wake up in the morning, and I don't know if you remember the funky chicken dance where you put your um, hands on your waist and and your elbows are stuck out. While you're in bed, before you do anything, put your hands on your hip and waggle your elbows. (laughs) If you can't feel your coffin, you say to yourself, well, I'm alive. 
it's a new day, I choose to be happy. And what most people have found, well, in fact, everybody that, that I've done it with has said that it makes them smile. And so they start the day on a smile. And people have got their own version. Some people call it the funky chicken. Some decide to call it the penguin or the ostrich. Whatever works for you. But it's the act of creating a ritual which gives you um, the opportunity to state and send out that energy that I'm choosing, actively choosing to be happy today. And, you know... The cat may be sick, the car may break down, technology might not work, but actually, intrinsically, I am alive and I choose happiness over depression or anxiety. And if you do that on a regular basis, it really has an impact. Um, I can definitely attest for that because I do that, all of that actually, which I felt so validated. I was like, wow, this is great. Um, on a daily basis, I wake up and it's, it's funny cause I, I tell my friends, I tell my mom about it all the time, um, where I wake up and I'm like, I'm thankful I can move my arms. I can walk around. I can, cause I'm really big into fitness and I love being able to, to move my body. And like, that's a huge thing for me. And I love, you know, I can see, I can see all the beautiful things in the world. Like I just kind of go through all of my like different senses and being able to touch things, whatever it may be. Um, and I'm just like, I'm thankful I have that. I'm thankful I live in, you know, my apartment. I live in the city. Like, it's just like, I go through my little gratitude, like the bare minimums. Like I'm glad I have an, you know, a roof over my head, just like things like that. Um, cause it also really puts you in perspective of like how far you've come and everything. And it's just, it's amazing. So thank you for sharing those. Uh, cause I think that's going to help oh, my pleasure. a lot of people. Uh, another one of your amazing books is Thriving, Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success, and Fulfillment. I need to get like all of your books. I, I have a reading, <laughs> I have a book, I currently have like a stack of books that I'm, I'm working my way through and it's longer than I can handle right now, but I'm going to add <laughs> your books to it because these are just, these are solid books, you know? So can you explain your five steps to happiness? One of the things that I recognized over the years is that whether people came to me as an individual for life coaching or they came as a couple for relationship coaching or business strategy, and I work with a number of businesses, it didn't matter which direction they came from, that over the time that we worked together, we had we followed the five pathways, not always in the same order, but they all had to be looked at and dealt with and, and what I realized was that if you want a life which is whole, holistic, then you have to look at these five. So pathway number one is all about beliefs. Mm -hmm. If you believe you can't, it's a done deal. If you believe you might fail, then you're going to make very different decisions than if you believe that you will succeed. If you believe you're not good enough, that you're not enough, then your life is going to be colored by that belief. We create beliefs very early on in our lives, and for most people, they don't ever challenge them. And yet those beliefs are created out of, very often, a chance remark by a parent mm -hmm. or a teacher who's being critical because they want us to do better. So a parent who says you're stupid because they're frustrated that child may very well take that remark and makes it their, their belief. And because it's never challenged, they go through their life thinking that they're stupid. Yep. 
Now, I'd like to, to give you uh, an example of how these beliefs, we look for evidence to support those beliefs. So imagine you're in a park. There are two people but one dog. The dog approaches the first person who was bitten when they were little. As the dog approaches, their belief that all dogs are dangerous means that they squeal and they wave their arms and the dog gets frightened and it growls. The person's belief that all dogs are dangerous is confirmed. The same dog approaches the second person who has had dogs all their life, who looks at the dog, knows how to approach the dog. The dog comes to them, hello boy, how are you? <laughs> the dog wags its tail. Their belief that all dogs are, da- are friendly and want to play is confirmed. So our beliefs could become more and more entrenched because we look for the evidence and we interpret the evidence on the basis of our beliefs. So beliefs are a big one. Mm-hmm. The second pathway is that relationships. And every relationship we have with other people is a reflection of the relationship we have with ourselves. So if you believe you're worthless, if you have no self-confidence, if you believe that you're not good enough, then your relationships with other people will be based on that relationship. So you are more likely to be bullied. Because if, you are, if you've got a great sense of self and you have confidence, not only will bullies not uh, or abusers not approach you because they have a sense of those who are vulnerable, but also if somebody treats you in a way that you feel is unfair, unkind, inappropriate, you will react to it in a way which takes you away from that. And so creating a relationship with yourself where you become, if you like, your best friend is really, really important. Then we go into success, and our mindset is so important. You know, the quality of our thoughts determine the quality of of our lives. 95% of what we think, say, and do Um, is habitual. We don't question it. It just goes into that same pattern. And so looking at the patterns of our our, our behaviors, um, looking at the way in which we view success, and I find it interesting that many people fear failure. But in my experience, just as many people fear success because they feel if we succeed, then people won't like us. Mm -hmm. If we succeed well, things are going to change and we're fearful of that. And so working on your belief around success and how you are motivated to do self-sabotage, for example, that's pathway three. Pathway four is all about change, transitions, and the choices we make. And everything we do, everything we say, everything we fail to do or say is a choice. And most of the time... Most people are not making those choices actively. They're done at a habitual level. Mm-hmm. And so recognizing that you know, everything is our choice and that often when we don't choose actively, it has the most far-reaching consequences. So that's pathway four. Pathway five is all about purpose and fulfillment because many people get all the trappings of success and then think, is this it? And a life without purpose is a life without passion. And it's interesting, I did a a webinar this morning about loneliness. And 
what becomes very clear to me is that people who have a sense of purpose don't get lonely. Right. Because that sense of purpose fills them up and they have always got something that they can focus on that is meaningful to them. And, you know, if they're making a positive difference to other people, then that gives them a huge sense of fulfillment. And so if you want a life that is full of happiness, success and fulfillment, then it's my belief that you need to look at all of those pathways within your own life um, and make sure that they are working for you, that they are empowering rather than that they diminish you. This is incredible. And I don't know how you wouldn't want to get at least the two books that we discussed here today. But for my audience, where can people find all of your books? Where can they learn more about the Enlightened Program? Okay, so all the books on Amazon. But they're, and, um, the, but they're also available on the website. And if you want to look at all of the, the programs, and there's loads of free stuff, um, go to genuinely, then a hyphen, a dash, and then the word you.com. So it's genuinely hyphen you.com. If you're interested in enlightened leadership, then go to enlightenedleadership.co. So enlightenedleadership, all word, one word, dot co. Um, if people want to contact me, they can email me at gina at genuinely-new.com. Join me on Facebook um, or on LinkedIn. Uh, I'd love to hear from them. And if I can help in any way, be only too happy to. I think you're incredible. And I absolutely love that we talked. And thank you so much for coming on If God Had a Podcast. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Change is gonna do you good. Are you ready for time? Thank you so much for listening to If God Had a Podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, share. You can reach me at on all of the socials at Pavlina Asta. And until next time, be a better you for a better us. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.